This morning we are continuing our study of the so-called, the famously called fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. I have the joy of proclaiming to you a fruit that maybe more than the others we wish were not in this list. Patience. But I think God has something for each of us and I look forward to it. Um, As is our custom here at New City, let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit verses. They should be bold. And then I'm going to go right into reading a short passage from James chapter 5, which is on the same topic. So, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. James 5. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also... Be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. May be seated. In my my study, in my preparation this week to preach a message on patience, I came across this story that I wanted to read to you. There's a story about a man who stopped in the grocery store on the way home from work to pick up a couple items for his wife. He wandered around aimlessly for a while. I feel like this is judging me. He wandered around aimlessly for a while, searching out the needed groceries. As is often the case in the grocery store, he kept passing the same shopper in almost every aisle. It was another father trying to shop with a totally uncooperative and totally uncontrollable three-year-old boy in the cart. The first time they passed, the three-year-old was asking over and over again for a candy bar. Our observer couldn't hear the entire conversation, but he heard dad say, now, Billy, this won't take long. As they passed in the next aisle, the three-year-old's pleas had increased several octaves. Dad was now quietly saying, Billy, just calm down. We'll be done in a minute. When they passed near the dairy aisle, the kid was now screaming uncontrollably. Dad was still keeping his cool. In a very low voice, he was saying, Billy, settle down. We're almost out of here. The dad and his son reached the checkout counter just ahead of our observer. He still gave no evidence of losing control. The boy was screaming and kicking 
Anybody relate? The boy was screaming and kicking, and yet dad was very calmly saying over and over again, Billy, we will be in the car in just a minute, and everything will be okay. The bystander was impressed beyond words. After paying for his groceries, he hurried up to catch up with this amazing example of patience and self-control, just in time to hear the dad saying again, Billy, we're done. It's going to be okay. So he tapped the patient father on the shoulder and said, Sir, I I couldn't help but watch how you handled little Billy. You were amazing. Dad replied, You don't get it, do you? I'm Billy. (laughs) We can relate to the story, can't you? If you had a crazy two, three, four-year-old in the cart... Calm down, Taylor. We're almost out of here. We'll be in the car. We'll be in the car soon. Taylor, relax. We got this, Taylor. Hold on for dear life, Taylor. We can relate to Billy, can't we? Whether or not we have children, whether or not we've had this experience of chaos while shopping, we know patience is hard. We could actually just change the story and ask ourselves, what happens in our souls when you're cut off in traffic? When you're caught in traffic? When the Starbucks mobile app informs us our drink will be 20 to 25 minutes in the making? You encounter that long line? Coworker, that coworker is missing the deadline. Again, he or she did this or that for the millionth time. Patience goes right out the door. We get angry, we can snap. When things get tough or the pressure is on, we complain, we ugh, throw up our hands or simply embody that well-known meme or or the picture of Ben Affleck in the, the blue sweatshirt looking disheveled, rolling his eyes with a cigarette. Ugh. But what is patience? Are we supposed to have it? If we're supposed to have it, why don't we have it very often? Why does it seem so fleeting? That is what I want to spend our time together this morning looking at. To look at this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit known as patience. I want to ask three questions this morning as we consider patience. The first question is, what is it? What is patience? Secondly, Why do we struggle with patience? And third and finally, how do we develop patience? How do we we grow in this thing? So first, what is patience? If you were doing a side-by-side comparison of all the English translations of your Bible, this passage on fruit of the Spirit up to this point has been identical. There would be no difference. At least I couldn't find any. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Check, check, check. All English Bibles. But the the aspect of the fruit that we're looking at today begins to diverge in how we translate this word. Uh, And I think it's because all of our English words are trying to grasp at this beautiful Greek word. Our ESV translation, and I would actually say most of the English translations go with 
patience. The old King James Version translates this word long-suffering. That'll be important in a second. The New International Version, the NIV, goes with forbearance. I actually don't have a favorite to pick because in a moment when I define this for you, you're going to see how all three of those words are trying to get at the meaning. All three are legitimate. Patience, long-suffering, forbearance is what we're talking about this morning. The original Greek word here is makrathumia. It's a combination of two words. It's a compound word. The first word, makras, which means it takes a long time. Long duration. And that second word, thumos, meaning strong desire or passion. It's often translated anger. We're long in getting angry. We're, we're long before we feel the passions. That's why you see the King James Version goes with long suffering. It takes a long time for us to get frustrated. Forbearance. Patience. There's a well-known, the leading Greek lexicon. It's just a really nerdy dictionary of Greek words. It's BDAG, stands for four guys' names. Bauer, Denker, Art, and Gingrich. Bummer, 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 bummer. But um, four names, BDAG, they define this word as the state of remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome. Remaining calm and relaxed while we wait for something. It can also mean the state of being able to bear up when provoked. Did you hear that? The ability to endure, bear up, persevere when things get hard. Patience or or long-suffering or forbearance, whichever English translation you go with, I'll be using patience throughout our time together this morning. Patience, friends, is remaining calm, Remaining relaxed while waiting. We can illustrate the word and what this concept is with an antagonistic reality. A phrase that maybe you've used in the phrase is a short fuse. Maybe you've described somebody that way? Yeah or no? Is that too old? Short, a, f- a short fuse. That, that person's got a short fuse. Maybe I have a short fuse. Maybe you would describe yourself that way. Someone with a short fuse is prone to lose his or her temper. It doesn't take much for him or her to lose it. Whether that losing it is erupting in anger or whether the losing it is just giving up. Short fuse. Galatians 5, this word patience, what, what James tells us in his passage, friends, is that a Christian is one with a long fuse. Or if we wanted to encapsulate the the growth nature, the, the development aspect of the Christian life, we could say that a Christian is a person whose fuse gets longer and longer as they walk with Jesus. Our fuse should increase as we walk with the Lord. Our ability to remain calm under pressure, to bear up patiently in hardship, should gradually grow as we abide in Christ. How are you doing? 
Tim Keller, as is often the case, helpfully will conclude this first question with a quote, and I put it in your worship booklet so you can follow along, in, or in the sermon insert. It's from his book, King's Cross, page 59, if you were curious. He says, patience is love for the long haul. It is bearing up under difficult circumstances without giving up or giving in to bitterness. Patience means working when gratification is delayed. It means taking what life offers, even if it means suffering, without lashing out. And when you're in a situation that you're troubled over, or when there's a delay or pressure on you, or something's not happening that you wanted to happen, there's always a temptation to come to the end of your patience. You may well have lost your patience before you're even aware of it. That's what patience is, friends. A long fuse. A remaining calm and relaxed while waiting. And the ability to bear up when life gets tough. To endure when the pressure is on. And to do so with calm. Chill. But that's what patience is. Why don't we have it? Why do we struggle with this? Why does it feel like sometimes my fuse is getting shorter? Why do we struggle with patience? The second question. Reasons abound, actually. Why is it that you're impatient? Why is it that I get impatient? It could be pride. Could be pride. I'm the most important one, not you. Why am I waiting? Get out of my way. Bend to my will. Bend to my desire. Bend to my schedule. Friends, that's just arrogance. You're a jerk. Repent. I'm a jerk. We're prideful. Could secondly be, you're just lazy. You're lazy, you don't manage things well, and because you're lazy, because of that laziness, you don't plan well, and now, everything and everyone's just in your way. So you're snappy and you're impatient, and it was all because of you. Could be laziness. For me, it's what I'm calling repetition. You're sinned against repeatedly. There's a line eventually. If it's the second offense, third offense, fourth offense, and then, then you lose it. Even this week, friends, I have to confess, I reacted sinfully toward one of my children. One of my children, this past week, I reacted sinfully because he did the very thing I've told him not to do a handful of times in the previous minutes. What's wild is I was the par excellence of patience the first time the second time even the third time I am patient dad I am Mr. Patience mm. but boy when he did it the fifth time that is it it's Jimmy or uh, Billy why is that why do we bear up patiently when sinned against the first time Second time, third time, but man, eventually I lost it. That's enough. I told you to stop. And you know what you do, mom, dad. You, you can even put on a little growl face. Even if what they did was sin, what you just did is sin. 
Jesus had to die for that. My impatience this week killed Jesus. I had to ask my little boy for forgiveness and apologize to him. It's not behavior becoming of a Christian who's supposed to be marked by a long fuse. I could name many more reasons why we, why I, often find patience so fleeting, but I do want to mention one more with some specificity. I wonder if we are often impatient because we're in a hurry. You are probably impatient because of hurry. I am often impatient because of hurry. We as Westerners, us industrial, independent, sophisticated individuals, friends, we're living life at a pace that is not sustainable. It's at least not good. Multiple plates spinning, constantly going. Let's hustle, let's go. You get up early in the morning and you blaze throughout your day until you fall asleep at night. Done. There's no margin in your life. There's no margin for silence and solitude. No margin in your life for Jesus and the community of Jesus followers. We're so hurried, next thing, go, 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 that it creates a hurried soul, which a hurried soul, a synonym using a biblical phrase, is just anxiety. Dallas Willard was a pastor. He's gone on to be with the Lord. He was a a writer that emphasized the spiritual disciplines, the habits of, of Christian living. And he was famous for saying this, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I'm preaching to myself here as much as I am to anyone in this room. But friends, we go, go, go. There's no space for anything. There's no no time for Jesus. And if we do have margin, if we do have time in our life, we often fill, fill, fill with trivial things. Our hurried lives cause hurried souls, which push us deeper and deeper toward impatience. We don't even have time for patience. We don't have time for long suffering. Gotta go. Just give me the quick fix. Give me the the, the pill or the mental thing or the thing to go, and and then I'll just manage it and I'll just hold on while we we fly. Get behind me, margin in life. Get behind me, time to be alone with my thoughts and Jesus. Get behind me, prayer. I got time for you. Get behind me, Bible study and fellowship with others. Friends, this is hard. How do you know if you're living a life hurried? Well, we could ask some basic Christian worldview questions, basic Christian practice questions. Men, are you leading your family and family worship daily? Most days? Any days? Men and women, all of us, you have space in your time for community, 
Are you regularly getting with other brothers or sisters who can encourage you, hold you accountable, and help you see Jesus? How's hospitality going? Yeah, the, the biblical command to have people in your homes and to welcome people into your lives. Are you spending time each day with the Savior? I have a suspicion that our patience grade, our mark in the, the class of patience is so low because of the pace of our lives. That is a pace of hurry. Here's a caveat I do want to point out. I'm not just talking about fullness. Having a full schedule is not necessarily the same as hurry. I'm talking about the way in which you handle your busy schedule. Flustered, go, go. Every Christmas we, uh, we enjoy, uh, I don't like the way Kevin talks to his parents, but we do uh, in, in, enjoy Home Alone, the first one. Hurry is encapsulated with that fateful morning when they leave Kevin behind. They oversleep. Oh no, we gotta go. And, and, and you see them running and running and driving fast and then they're just sprinting through the airport to barely get to the plane on time. That's hurry in all of life. Do you watch that scene and feel anxious? Are they gonna make it? And yet so many of us do life that way. Busyness, full, full schedule is not necessarily hurry. I'm talking about the way in which we live and embody life like Kevin's parents. Go, run. I wonder if we would be served if we fought a little harder to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. I think it was the pastor, Dr. John Piper, who said, Christians need to live at a pace to finish the race. Meaning we need to embody the reality that we live life at the pace of grace. The pace of of grace. It is a pace for others. It's a pace with margin in your life for Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pace of life that has room for God, your creator and redeemer, and for others. And I confess again, I don't often serve your growth in patience. And I don't often serve my own growth in patience because I belittle patience. Roger said this at the first sermon in which we started the fruit of the spirit. And I said this from this pulpit when we were in Galatians 5 and the topic of patience came up. Here's how I belittle patience and how I don't serve you or serve myself. And leading a community group, for example, I might say something along the lines of, hey, we're gonna pray for each other. I wanna know what's been encouraging you and what you've been repenting of lately. And don't say patience. We know everybody struggles with patience, so let's just check that one off and let's go deeper. Now, my heart in that is good in one sense. I'm trying to get us deep to real sin patterns. There is maybe an aspect in which many of us just throw in the patience request because we don't want to go anywhere else. But the fact that I do that is not helpful because patience is really, really important. Let me put it negatively. To be impatient, to have a short fuse, to be snappy and angry is wicked Commentator Alec Matir, in his commentary on James, he says this, faith meets life's tests and through patience, not without it, faith 
grows into full maturity. Matir goes on to say that James's doctrine of the Christian life is a doctrine of process or growth. And patience is its central requirement. That quote, these biblical texts have been rocking me this morning. If I see, as, if I see patience, the reality that I have a long fuse and I, 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 I am long-suffering, if that's a mark, the central requirement of Christian growth, how am I doing? Well, well I, I see growth in this way and that way and this way and I'm, I'm doing some things over here. A lack of a growth in patience might, friends, reveal a lack of growth in general. I'm talking to myself, who I just told you on, I think it was Thursday. It was Thursday when I lost it on my son in this building. Brought my kid to work with me. It was in that hallway back there. Patience is central to our growth. It is a aspect of the fruit that the Spirit produces in us. This is anecdotal, but I also just recognize the Christians that I've admired most, the most godly men and women, they have affections for Jesus well into their old age, whether I read about them in a biography or knew them personally, the Christians that I've loved and admired the most were often marked by patience. And a lot of you are nodding your heads, and so I think you can relate. That's why we don't have it, though. Patience is the remaining calm and tranquil while awaiting an outcome. It is the ability to hold on and to, to bear up when the pressure is put on. Why don't we have it? No, you name it. Pride, laziness, repeated offenses that we have no, no category for, hurry, all of the above. But third and finally, the good news. How do we develop this? Where do we go from here? Do we just leave like Billy? Do better? No. How do we develop patience? It's the third question. And here's your answer. I hope this doesn't sound too simplistic because it's glorious and it's wonderful. But here's how you grow in patience. We look to Jesus. I know that when I'm not patient and when I recognize in my own life a lack of growth in patience, I'm not looking to Jesus. I'm not looking at him. What do I mean by that? I put two passages in your sermon insert there. I just want to read to you. 2 Peter 3, 9 and Psalm 103, verse 8. Let me read the second one first. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Long-fused, long-suffering, patient. Let me use Peter's word, 2 Peter 3, 9. This is, this is God himself. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Well, what is he? But is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach Repentance. Friends, that is really good news. The Lord Jesus Christ is patient 
toward you and toward me. How do we develop patience? How do we grow in patience? It's seeing Jesus rightly. It's seeing Jesus and his behavior toward you, which is long-suffering, long-fused, calm and tranquil while waiting for you and me to get our lives together. The Lord is patient towards you. How do we grow in this, friends? We preach the cross and resurrection to ourselves. We look to the cross, the cross of long-suffering, where Jesus bore the wrath of God for sin and the penalty for all the times you and I are impatient. We look to the cross where Jesus suffered the judgment of God for our impatience and our sin. We meditate on Jesus' resurrection when he burst forth triumphantly from the grave because death could not keep him down. He was a sinless savior. We look to his resurrection and meditate on it because it justifies us and guarantees our resurrection life. We look to Jesus. But this good news doesn't just have our necks turning backwards. Looking back 2,000 years ago at the glorious gospel of Jesus, we also look up right now. What is Jesus doing for you now? Where is Jesus He's in heaven, sitting at the right hand of his father, interceding for you. Do you think of the Lord as patient? Have you thought of the Lord as patient toward you? And here's the good news. Not just when you're well behaved. Not just when you're good. Got my devotions done this morning, prayed with my wife, prayed over my children, everything went great. I was patient all day, came home for dinner, we had family worship, we sang some songs, meditated on scripture, memorized a verse, went through two catechism questions, read a Bible story at bed, and went to to sleep myself. That is great. I have had those days. But what about the day when you oversleep? Hit the, the snooze button a couple times. Missed your quiet time with the Lord Jesus, hurried through life, snapped at your spouse, yelled at your children to hurry up, get your backpack on, get your shoes on, went to work, was, was not a, a, a good coworker, went home wishing that you could go somewhere else and blow off some steam, and here we are, and the children are loud, and everybody's annoying me, and you're snappy, and you can't wait to get them into bed so that you can relax and do you. What's the Lord's heart toward you then? the same? The answer is that the Lord's heart toward you is one of patience. He is long-suffering. His fuse is long. Friends, if you are in Christ by faith, because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, he is patient and loving and gracious toward you even when you sin, even in your sin. We need to see Jesus. And then when we see him, We're like, how can I not be patient towards others? You see how God treats me? You may recall where we begin this sermon with the story in the grocery store of Billy. Sheer talking to yourself is not gonna cut it. Be patient, patient, do better, come on, patient. Taylor, be patient. It's never gonna work. Might get you through one grocery run because law works a little bit sometimes, but it's only gonna get you so far. Even habits, simple habituated actions and liturgies are not the solution. They're only going to get you so far. But friends, seeing 
Jesus can actually produce this fruit. Meditating upon him as he's revealed in the word can satisfy us and grow us. We need to see Jesus. And he was so kind to give us a few ways of seeing Jesus. The scriptures, read, preached. Community of believers in which we see the Lord in others. And a couple visible, tangible ways of seeing Jesus. Bread and wine. How do we see Jesus, friends? We come to the communion table and remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us, is doing for us, and where we are headed to be with Jesus. And when we see a right, we then go from here and attempt to embody the long fuse that our God has with us. We go show patience because we've been shown patience. We go long suffer because God is long suffering. We go and try to embody forbearing with one another because the Lord has done so with us. If you're in Christ by faith, you're part of a a gospel preaching church, you've been baptized into the community of God, you're welcome to come to this table. This is a table for Christians. Those pursuing Jesus as imperfect as we are. The good news is it's even for impatient Christians. This table is not one for perfect people, but for honest people who recognize their need for a savior. If that is you, come this morning.